Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Golfers Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Lucas Kulai. It is my absolute pleasure today to welcome the first guest of the season, college sensation and member of the Utah Utes, BC amateur and BC junior champion, one of the best golfers I've seen in my entire life, Mr. Tristan Mandur. Tristan, how are you doing today? Doing well, Lucas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, I've been very excited to interview you, Tristan, as your golf career thus far has been nothing short of spectacular. So without further ado, let's jump into today's questions. So my first question to you, how did you first get into golf and what drew you to this great sport? Uh, so my dad was a teaching professional. Uh, so basically growing up three, four years old, my dad had a driving range net in the backyard. So I was basically brought up through my dad um, and basically just fell in love with it right away. Man. But I also did a lot of other sports, but I mean, I thought golf just is the best sport out there. I think that's kind of what made me stick with it and grow with it. Awesome. So my follow-up to that is how old were you at the time when you first started golfing? Probably like literally one, like when I was walking, I was kind of smacking up, but like I think three hitting into a net. But then I think I played my first tournament when I was like seven, six or seven. Wow. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Next question to you. Um, what point in your life um, did you know that golf was something that you wanted to pursue? Uh, probably around 11, 10. 11? Nice. Uh, I was kind of playing a couple other sports and like basketball, soccer, hockey. And I felt like I focused mainly on one, and that was golf. So probably yeah, around, I want to say 10, 10, 11, where I was like, okay, I want to fully pursue it, and then also kind of just did a bit of basketball in high school. Yeah, nice. All right. Um, bit of a different topic here. Was there ever a time when you thought that maybe golf isn't what you want to do with your life? Um, not really. I mean, I, I was told since day one, like golf's one of those games where it's, you're going to have bad days and good days. And I mean, you're going to have a time where you go out there and be like, I want to quit golf because you just played so bad. Yeah. So, I mean, wasn't, there was never a time where I didn't want to play golf. I knew it was one of those sports where you're going to have your bad days and it's going to make you want to quit and not be a part of your life. But I kind of knew since day one that be like aware of that. And so, yeah, I would, I would say I didn't, there was never a time. Yeah, that's good. I think that happens to most people when they have a round that they want to forget about and say, I'm quitting well, golf. People go a couple, I mean, people go to the slumps and they, they get it bad, but yeah, exactly. getting out of it and then just know that it, it will get better. So Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, what was the first big tournament you played in and when did you ultimately get your first win? Uh, I played the Little Masters, which is a four round junior tournament yeah. uh it was that i was in the 10 11 division and this was like my first like real big win for that felt like for me um which i mean I, I i would have called it equivalence i mean you had the back then you had the bc bantams which was 13 and under yeah which was a two-day tournament but then the junior linksters back then by harry white they did a four-round tournament they did like age divisions 10 11 12 13 14 15 and it was a four-round tournament but it was a par three course an executive course, par 66 or something, par 65. And um, that was my first big win when I was 10. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, so we'll switch to your high school and college path. So you attended yeah. Shawnigan Lake School. What specifically do you think that Shawnigan did for your golf game? Um, it basically kind of, I would say, the biggest thing was, bit of time management I would say because I mean we didn't have 
that much time to practice. So yeah. you're doing fine arts and like you would go to Brentwood too. You know, it's not just golf. You have to do other stuff as well. Yeah. So when time to golf, your practice wasn't just like go out there and six hours of practice. We had two to three hours, whatever days a week. You had to go out there and be smart and practice hard for those three hours to really get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say a bit of time management and just really practice with a purpose. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. So what was the defining moment that allowed you to be scouted by Div 1 schools like Utah? Defining moment? Maybe 2014 qualifying for the U.S. Junior. Yeah. Uh, just really just going out and playing tournaments like tournaments like that in the U.S. Um, and getting more international, more, yeah, playing a more tournament a bigger tournament where more college scouts are out there so yeah, i would say that was probably yeah, my nice. biggest bit that kind of got a bit of attention sweet i mean i was played that well at the u.s junior but um just really getting there is like big so yeah definitely um and my follow-up to that when did schools first start showing interest in reaching out to you uh well with the rules i think they can't they can't really show interest until you're 17 or 16 okay uh around there I got a couple of things, a couple of like stuff in the mail, but uh, mainly I, I was a little bit slow in my recruiting process, and I actually had to go out and reach out to a lot of schools. Yeah. Kind of last grade 11 where most of the U.S. kids, they're recruited grade 9, grade 10, if you want to go and play schools, whereas me, I was a little bit lacking in my communication skills with the, with the coaches, so definitely regret that. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I wouldn't say... Yeah, be 16 or 17 when they started to kind of message a bit. Nice. Um, well, so different question for you here. Um, what would you rank your years at Utah from hardest to easiest slash worst to best? Hard, worst to best for just golf or all around? All around. All around? I would say for the entire, I would say every year just, I would say every year to me, every year I kind of got a little bit better, got a little bit easier. I would say freshman to all the way to the, all the way to right now from worst to best. So year one, worst, worst, hardest, second year, a little better, third year even better, and then now even better than leading towards next year. So hopefully a little better. Nice. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, how different is college golf than what many people may think and how big of a change was it? to you from ordinary everyday golf uh well right off the bat uh college golf like if you're playing you just got to be aware that you're gonna be playing five to six rounds of golf a week Mm -hmm. five rounds of golf at different golf courses so really just being having the endurance um like physically and mentally to go out there and every round count to make the traveling team yeah most teams 10 11 to make that starting five right off the bat Yet to be the biggest jump is really just being aware that we'll have qualifying rounds five days a week, 18 holes with your morning workouts, with your class, and then going to it. So, really, just being that's a big. I mean, I back in high school in ordinary golf, I'm not really playing that much. Yeah. Whereas college, where you're playing five rounds of golf a week on full golf courses, big golf courses, every round counting. I would say that's a big jump for college golf and just definitely longer, tougher golf courses, tougher pins, everything. All right, so you mentioned, like, morning workouts and, like, all those rounds, and I was just wondering, what does an average day in the life in college look for you? 
Uh, this past one with a bit of COVID was a bit weird because I mean, didn't have in-person classes, so I'll just do a normal one yeah. before COVID, normal life. Uh, so we would have workouts from 6 to 7. Then we would have a nutrition meeting for like 15 minutes after. And then we'd go and have breakfast at the athletic cafeteria. Then I have class from 9 to 12. And then go to the feeling station, get some snacks, and then also go to get lunch. And then we'd play golf from 1 to 5 or 6, full 18. And then we'd have study hall, which is once or twice a week. Close that that in. That would be from 7 to 9. And then you're done after that. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, kind of like just how COVID affected it. Um, it kind of altered your experience at Utah, I understand, because this year could have actually been your last year. Um. And luckily, the NCAA gave you gave you guys the players another year to compete. Um, was this yeah. a bummer to you at all, or did this actually work out perfectly in terms of setting you up for success? Worked out perfectly. I mean, obviously, it was a bummer right when it hit. Losing our, we were just finishing our Band and Dunes tournament, and we we're headed to like Scottsdale to play TPC Scottsdale or Scottsdale National. I mean, and that was obviously a bummer, but I would say overall, it definitely helped me academically because my next year. I possibly could have graduated this year and finished in the summer. Yeah. But doing another year actually helped me because I could extend it a bit. So I changed a bit of my academic schedule. And my final semester next year, I'm only taking one class, which is unreal. So I can focus a bit more on golf and qualifying and do potential tour qualifying and all that stuff. So yeah. having that fifth year actually is really, really helping out. Yeah, nice. Um, so you've now had the chance to play some golf with former PGA Pro and current Champions Tour player Mike Weir. Um, what advice has he given you in terms of how to be successful in the golf industry? Yeah, so I've I played with a couple of guys, and I mean, I have a kind of a a question that I usually ask all of them, and that's uh, if there was one thing looking back into college or starting college, if you would have told yourself back then one thing, what would it have been? Um, and there seems to be kind of an underlying or reoccurring answer, and that's short game. I mean as easy as that is really just time management and going out there and actually practicing your chipping and putting for hours, not just hitting balls for a couple hours and going playing. It's working from the green back to a hundred yards, then go and hit your irons and hit, then also work on your drivers. Nice. Um, but that would, that's what I would, that's one of the best advice I think. And I mean, I feel like that's where you're going to gain or lose the most strokes. Sweet. Yeah. I've played, I've gotten the chance to play a couple of rounds with Jim Routledge, who also used to play on the PGA. Um, he lives yeah, in Victoria now. Yeah. And I've just admired with him, like how good tee to green he is. Like he, I don't think I've seen him miss more than one fairway, but and he hits like every green. But the funny thing is with putting, both times I played with him, he's just burning edges all day, and I'm wondering if that's been the thing that's held him back over the years. On the back, I mean, he's, I mean, yeah, that guy. I mean, he's been trying for how many years and still hasn't given up. Yeah. And I, mean, I think he barely missed it. So maybe, yeah. I mean, as, it doesn't matter how good you can hit the ball if you can't putt and chip. If you're not spending more time putting and chipping, where, um, where I was, I, we had a um, Summer Hayes who won a whole bunch of times in the senior tour, Champions Tour. Um, maybe he said he didn't hit the ball the best, but he said he'd work 60% of the time putting, 70% of the time putting. And he won quite a few on the he was dominating the champions tour for a while or summer who's yeah. so yeah, so it's crazy to think that how important putting really is and that mm -hmm. people 
really aren't working on it as much. And that, that's why I feel like I've worked on the last couple of years more. And I mean, I feel like I'm not hitting the ball that much better. It's, I mean, obviously a touch better, but more course management, but it's really just putting and chipping. Cause I mean, everyone, everyone out there in college hits the ball good. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, obviously we'll have being like a Victor Hovland and stuff like that, where you're that good of a stripe show that it does help overall stroke screen, strokes gain key to green, but definitely more working from the green back. Yeah. Um, so you've had the also had the opportunity to play in tournaments with those current PGA stars like Hovland, Morikawa, Wolf. Um, what if anything do you wish to take with you in terms of skills that they have or things that they do on the golf course? Uh, I would say a bit of course management, um, really just understanding the game a bit more, making a little better decisions, and uh, really miss, missing it or choosing better starting line. I, it's I would say a bit of all of mental strength and uh course management is something that i'm still trying to strive for and wish it was as strong as hopefully it's leading up to that to work to a level that they're at nice um yeah i've always admired tristan how mentally strong you are on the course um and my question is how are you always able to be so cool calm and collected even when the pressure's on uh definitely routine um, that's probably the biggest thing is really implementing your routine into your practice. So to get in the high pressure situations, it kind of clears your mind. So you're not focused on where, like what's happening in the moment. And you know, if you're in a high pressure situation, obviously you'll feel the nerves, but if your mind is focused on your routine of get to the bank number and you're just focused on step-by-step your routine, it kind of relaxes you. It kind of makes you feel back at home. And that kind of helps you help me stay kind of cool, calm and under high pressure situations or just, in a normal turnaround. Nice. Um, my follow-up to that is, has there ever been a time when you have let your emotions get the best of you on the course, as a, as I strongly believe that golf is the most mentally challenging of any other sport out there? Yeah, definitely. Golf's definitely the, definitely the most mental, draining, and tough, tough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think both of us play a lot of sports. I mean, obviously, it's basketball and other sports. You're in the moment. You're quick. It's more reflex golf you have a lot of time to think and you know it's just there's so much thoughts that go through your head so um sorry say this first part of the question again um yeah um has there ever been a time when you have let your emotions get the best of you on the golf Um, course i would say a couple times when i when i make like a a really bad double bogey when i'm when i know i could have easily fixed it by not being stubborn and going for a pin so I would say a bit of that, and that kind of carried, and that was still kind of left me mentally frustrated and kind of carried me over to the next hole where I'd bogey the next hole. So um, I would say a couple times where I do that, as my emotions let, get the, the best of me going, like double bogey where you're frustrated and then try to force it on the next hole, i got to birdie this. And then I make another bogey versus um, just being really disciplined. So I'll, I'll, that's probably where my emotions got the best of me and just kind of implement it on the next hole. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. I don't know how many double bogeys I've made from the middle of the fairway and then gotten ultra-aggressive on the next hole just to make up for it. It's just, when you're in the middle of the fairway, you got to think, really understand the value of par. That, that's huge in college. That's huge in, huge at Arbutus when you go this weekend. I mean, you go to some holes, holes number 11. I mean, the value of par is massive. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so I still remember watching you win the, the BC Junior at Arbutus in 2016. That was super cool to watch. Um, what do you think in your career so far has been your biggest win? 
Uh, my biggest win would probably be Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah, well, ultimately, you're known as the best golfer in the province now, and I'm sure you're one of the best down in Utah as well, so that's awesome. Yeah, pretty close. Cool. That's the... Um, so, bit of a concluding question. What are your plans for the future, um, specifically once you finish your final year at Utah? Uh, my plans are to definitely turn pro and just and give it a run. Um, don't know if that's going to be... Mackenzie, Corn Ferry, Latin tour, who knows? Um, just kind of take it one step at a time. If I'm keeping getting better, then I mean, there's still exemptions. I mean, it's yeah, so it's definitely turn pro. Yeah, that's that's the cool thing about golf now is there's so many different options in terms of how you get yeah. to like the top stage, which is the PGA. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Thank you so much, Tristan, for coming on the podcast. This was truly an absolute blast. And I sincerely wish you nothing but the best going forward. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. And same with you and your golf career and, and the podcast career. Thank you. Um, make sure you guys tune in to next week's episode, which I will be featuring the head pro here at Arbutus Ridge, Mr. Andy Hager, who will help me recap the Arbutus Ridge Invitational and will discuss his path to getting where he is today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Golfers. Make sure to follow Golfers Podcast on Instagram for exclusive weekly updates if you're not already. And until next time, stay safe.